Good afternoon. I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And you are listening to Apocalypse Duds. Um, we are on the heels of, or I guess we are at the something of, we just released our first video podcast ever. Um, we have received limited feedback about this event, and um, we are wrestling with whether or not it is worthwhile to continue, uh, because of course we have to yeah. keep up our appearances uh, for the video, right. so it's very costly, right. you see, and we have a staff, and we have makeup, and we have, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I am very firmly in the uh, no video camp, because... I don't. I don't know. That's just me. I don't. I don't want to watch people talk. Uh, I will listen to people talk. I. I don't want to watch. But uh, we. We would appreciate any feedback that our listeners have. Um, you know, tell us if you like it. If you don't, do like we it. truly uh, have? Yeah. Yeah. Faces for radio. Maybe we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have faces for radio? Is the key question. Um, but thanks for joining along with the, the experiment, nonetheless. Um, Connor, how uh, how was Baltimore today? Well, I biked. I biked from my girlfriend's house to uh, okay, yeah, to my house, and uh, it was hot. It was kind of yeah. unpleasant. I like had my my like rucksack full pretty full and it was like cutting into my shoulders which was exciting yeah. i mean it's like not, not meant to be a cycling bag <laughs> so like, yeah I'm but the still still not a comfortable cool. situation yeah yeah well oh yeah no no, no no and it's not designed for comfort it's not yes, very aesthetics are everything right we, we, we live and die by our aesthetic. You got to suffer for fashion, you know? Yeah, some, sometimes, sometimes say, you got to. That is what they say. Um, yeah, we, um, we're recording this on a Saturday, which we don't usually do because we try to take a weekend off. But, you know, we also suffer for the podcast. So that, that's oh, mostly oh, kidding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mostly kidding. Uh and then we we posted some pictures of my grandfather in various outfits um and we were wondering if you had any family photos uh fashionable family photos that yeah we're we're basically going to open up we have gotten some submissions already yeah we've gotten submissions cool. uh just think Think about this as our old fits, which I think is is probably the best name for it, uh, to broadly open this up. But mm -hmm. we've been enjoying, you know, enjoying seeing everyone's like old, uh, stylized, whatever, children, any type of like old photo of yourself where you thought you looked cool. Um, you did look cool, given the time. I'm going to read it out there. But uh, yeah, we're going to expand it to... You know, to family photos. Like, I'm sure I, I have to find some, but I'll find some of my grandpa and like 
my dad was a rocker in the 70s, so I'll find some of him killing it too. And Connor can do likewise. Because it's yours. Is a boss. Yeah. 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 I like seen. I haven't seen that many pictures of my mom as a young person. Well, yeah. This is uh, is now an opportunity. They're certainly out there. They're certainly out there. But yeah, like we talk a lot about evolution uh, of interest in clothing or style or whatever you want to fucking call it uh, all the time. That's pretty much the point of the show. And, um, you know, a lot of this shit, whether consciously or not, was impactful for a lot of us. So if that's if that's the case, please uh, DM or email photos of cool ass looking family members. And I think we can we can shout out Sam from our episode last week for this idea because her parents will be on this podcast at some point. Shout out Cindy. Uh, shout out. Fuck. Can't remember her dad's name. I'm sorry. Mike, I believe. Um, but yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's see your shit. It's OK. It's OK. Um, yeah, let's yeah see your also, shit. let's see your shit. Um, also, this week in current events, uh, Mitch McConnell had another glitch. And uh, between him and Feinstein at this point, like, I don't know, dude. Like, it's just reminding me of this Mark Maron bit that's about how, like, all of these essentially dinosaur people are uh, making laws for all of us that they're never going to live to see implemented. And I was like, this is the saddest fucking most dystopian shit I can remember in politics. Yeah. Just one of those like really weird instances where you're just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be ageist. I'm not trying to be ableist, but like, if you can't remember or you freeze when you're making a public statement, like, you well, probably should have a stroke, right? It's not yeah. like he's consciously freezing. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Like get he's not medical help. Dramatic effect. No, get get better. Someone but, said it's but, someone said it's elder abuse. <laughs> it it kind of fucking is. Like I just don't understand why these people to the are... extent that you can abuse pudding. Right. Right, right. Like, McConnell is this, as the Mark Maron bit was talking about, like, this evangelical that just wishes for the end times as, quote-unquote, prophesied in Revelations. And so many people don't believe that shit. I don't know, I don't know if Feinstein's a Christian or, or what her beliefs are, but, like, give these fucking people the help that they need, and, and they should not be fucking making laws for this country when they don't know where they are. Sorry, like no one should be. You heard I don't, it here first. I don't, you heard it here first. I I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not smart enough I'll to know what it. the answer there is. There should I'm be an age limit. There should be an age limit. Yeah. There should be an age I, limit. Period. There are absolutes I, I, to the human mind, and we are seeing them in yeah. effect. Yeah. If it, I, I saw something, I think it was uh, a tweet earlier, and I'm gonna paraphrase, but it was something like, if you live past the projected life expectancy or the average life expectancy in the U.S., you should not be in politics making laws. And I kind of stand by that. Like, if the average age is 70, like, we, we don't need people that are above that. Like, de- 
you know, telling us what we're going to be doing in 20 years. Like, fuck off. Anyway, uh, this leads us into our interview that's coming up after this uh, shit chatter that Connor and I do. Um, it was a really fun one. Hey, Primus and I, yeah, it's going to um, really make you think, I, I think. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, he talked about, you know, uh, just general kind of subconscious stuff that leaks into your into your brain and like it's an influence that you kind of discover years later um talked about getting getting an internship and working in politics for a short time now he's a journalist uh and based in dc um has a great street saw blog um and yeah just an interesting character it was a it was a fun chat and maybe we'll have him on to be our uh, new DC correspondent, in which we go over uh, what the politicians are wearing while they're trying to end the world. Um, I don't know. Seems, seems in our repertoire. They're apocalypse duds, yes, because this joke is yes, apparently not understood. Or the play on yeah. words is not understood. Whatever it is. Yeah, they're, they're very literal duds that they're wearing as they drive us to the apocalypse. Um, anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you would like to make a contribution to our... <laughs> On that extraordinarily cheery note. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's that's what we're known for is cheer. But uh, if you'd like to make a contribution and enjoy what you hear, um, Connor's Venmo is at Connor-Fowler. Uh, his PayPal is... Fowler at gmail.com and once again thanks for listening and enjoy the episode good afternoon i'm connor fowler and i'm matt smith and welcome to apocalypse duds today we have a very exciting show for you today we have ibrahima sana in the studio in the virtual studio uh reporter at american banker former senate staffer all-around good guy, perhaps one of the youngest guests we've had on this show. Very accomplished man. So, uh, thanks for thanks for being here, and thanks for bearing with us as we have as we have gotten to the recording part of this. Of course, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. And I, I I knew I know I'm young, but I didn't realize that I may hold the record. Wait, no, how, I'm not. How saying, old are like, you? Wow, you are a baby. I'm 25. Okay, yeah, that's. I mean, I feel like so that's like pretty. More, that's uh, pretty. That's all. Younger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we had well, Laura and, and Nick on. Not as an in both, and, just as a different perspective. Yeah. How old is Nick? Twenty-five, uh, twenty-six, I think. Yeah, twenty-five, twenty-six. Like I think all of you guys are around the same age. So like, yeah, it, it's just you know, Connor, Connor, and I are both fucking old assholes. So uh, you know, when when someone One is of fifteen or more years, together. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, how are you doing today? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on Pod. Um, big fan, long time listener. Thank you. Um, you know, I I'm doing well. I'm I'm out here. I'm living now, currently outside of DC. So yeah. Where okay. do you live? It's pretty okay. hot. Um, I live in Silver Spring. It's near. It's in oh, sure, sure. I know it. Well. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's funny because you guys are getting the heat wave that it, that the South has had for the past couple of weeks and it's beautiful and 
in the like low 80s here today. So like, I'm not hating life because it's so goddamn hot. Yeah, I was very yeah, sweaty. But sorry that you. <laughs> sorry, you guys are hating life because yeah. it's so goddamn hot. Yeah, yeah. I, this is why the camera. One of the reasons that the cameras are off is because I am uh, like a rat. Not, <laughs> nothing against rats. Nothing against rats. But you know, I'm not uh, up to my normal standards of present presentation. <laughs> what a preposterous person. <laughs> Hey man, um, well I appreciate you, ha you guys having me. Um, yeah, this is this is really a privilege. What a what a awesome! What a, what a, Hell yeah, we're we're stoked to have you. Um, it, I mean, it sounds like you've had a, a pretty wild uh, trajectory in your life. Um, I think like from Connor's conversation with you um, in the run up to the show, you mentioned living a few different places um, growing up. Could you um, you know could you tell us? where and if anything like in particular had a you know had a profound impact on your love of clothing yeah so i think i would start by framing it by saying you know i i'm not i'm someone who's relatively new to the you know quote unquote menswear scene i think i'm someone who's always been in yeah totally um, so i i think this is it it's a way of it's my kind of most recent iteration of expressing uh those those kinds of themes um, outwardly. And I think so, but, you know, clothing has always been something subconsciously there for me. Uh, so I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, I was born in Providence. My mom is actually American, just like, an, um, but my dad is from Gambia. And, and so my mom was in the Peace Corps. I actually met my family. He was living there. They basically came back together and I was in New England. So yeah, I would say, you know, obviously New England has a, its own stamp. Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to keep going through the list because there's a lot and then I'll kind of. Yeah, so, totally. Totally. Um, I moved after I grew up in Providence in the city. I moved to the suburbs when I was uh, still a young child uh, to a little town called Warwick. Uh, it's actually a city. It's, you know, basically if you fly into Providence, um, you'll fly into TF Green. You're actually landing in. Uh, so that's pretty much my, uh, you know, that was a typical suburb. So, um, yeah, I was a suburban kid for a while. Um, after uh, middle school, I, I, my parents actually moved my dad's a dog and I moved to Sacramento. So I spent high school in Sacramento uh, at a kind of like a suburb of Sacramento in what's known as the Foothills. And so then after high school, I graduated, went to one of the few schools I got into, which was UC Santa Cruz. Um, and I spent some time there. I spent about two years in Santa Cruz. If you've ever been there, it's kind of a beach uh town for a lot of californians and, and yeah it's kind of like a kind of has a reputation of being like a classic like hippie spot right yeah it so that has its own flavor um i was only there for two years but there's a big skate scene there. there's a big art scene just hippie scene so yeah i, I soaked up. um I, I then after i was in santa cruz i went to la i transferred to ucla spent the rest of school there um you know, between those times, I actually did an internship in D.C., so I got to live on the East Coast again. Um, I studied abroad in Italy as well. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And then You've seen some shit. After, yeah, after all of that, I uh, was still – I was back in L.A. for the remainder of college, finishing up my senior year, and that's right when the pandemic hit. So I was uh, – I ended up moving back home. My, my folks actually with them for about <laughs> six months. And then uh, I ended up getting a job in politics, which eventually brought me back to new to DC, but I'm into this area in the mid Atlantic, but I'm, you know, it feels familiar because growing up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sure. and then I've 
kind of in between there, I've traveled and I think all of those places have had an impact on my style. Um, I think, you know, and, and Rhode Island, you know, Rhode Island is known for being, it's New England, but it has its own small uh, kind of identity. It's, it's, it's very well known for being small and being people being proud of how niche and tight knit everything. So, totally. but I can I ask probably, a question. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Let me, please stop me. Sorry. Yeah. yeah my mic was, my mic was off. Uh, your parents live in Arkansas after living all over the place. Why did they choose Arkansas? I just, you know, like I said, my dad's a doctor, so he jobs there. And, uh, I see. Ah, so uh, that that tracks. That tracks. Yeah, I didn't know if there was like, uh, I don't know, like a farm or something. I don't know. People, that, I'm sure there's stuff going on in Arkansas. No, I mean, there's, you know, we have we have uh, friends and family, but they live in the city, so it's, it's uh, you know, it's and Little Rock is kind of cool, right? Yeah, every place has its, you know, blue. Uh, oases and I think it's a particularly yeah it, 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 it that's the place I'd like to live but but you know there's a lot of nice places if you like I, I noticed something recently that I've always lived in right um, so I've I've kind of that's sort of just my comfort zone but I you know um, Arkansas has definitely pushed me because even being in the most populated and urban part of the state it's you know it's a southern city it's the deep south it has a whole list of kind of culture shocks and but also things that I've been surprised by, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. You must be very yeah, effective. There's... You must be very effective in politics. That's my assessment. <laughs> that's my assessment of things so far. I'm. I'm. People call me diplomatic. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, I would have said diplomatic, pragmatic, one of these words. But yeah, yeah, judicious. But I really have lived in so many different areas that I don't. It's not that I'm just kind of trying to be super. Like I'm also known for being pretty blunt. Man. Uh, yeah, that it, you know, each place truly has its own flavor, but ultimately you realize that everywhere. Well, and you think yeah. you can only, I think, I guess you can only get that from seeing other places, right? Somebody lives in Baltimore. They never leave Baltimore. It's like, yeah. it's all that there is. Right. Yeah. And that is a pretty limiting, um, I don't know, factor. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, that kind of loops me back to what I was saying about just kind of individual influences. I think each part, um, yeah, every time I moved, I had this shock where I was like, wow, people dress completely different here. People live completely. And, um, yeah, this was like one of the first conversations that you and I ever had. I think. Yeah. So I, so I was amazed at your, I was amazed. I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but I was no. amazed by your knowledge of these regional, uh, things about dressing. <laughs> so anyway, it's a compliment, of course, but thanks. Thanks. Uh, and, but you know what, it's, there's benefits and, and cons. I think you get a lot of knowledge about a foot deep and a mile wide, but you know, you don't really get to stay in one place and feel like you, so it's kind of, you know, it's a trade-off. Um, yeah. I would like to just dive into kind of like what the specific each place kind of left the mark on me. Um, I think, you know, in Rhode Island specifically, I have a lot of memories of things subconsciously being preppy and um, sort of just like having that new flavor to them without consciously knowing that those were regional. So like, uh, so like, what's the new, what's the new England flavor? Well, you know, if you're prepared, I mean, like, so Rhode Island is, is a coastal place known as the ocean state. I mean, look at the flag. It's, it's got an anchor on as these kind of cards, very nautical. So I would say there's like a consciousness of being near the ocean. Uh, mm -hmm. The water is, is a big theme. And just going to the beach, you know, having that leisure. When you have leisure time, you go to the beach. You, um, Yeah, so I, I think that's 
the, the kind of biggest tent pool. Uh, there's, there's a lot of immigrant groups there. There's a lot of Italian, Portuguese. There's also a big kind of old uh, wasp community of just like Mayflower descendants. There's immigrants more recently. There's Dominicans in Providence, we Caribbean, African, Cape Verdean. So there's like a lot of different um, cultures there, but it's also is predominantly white. You know, and I'm just talking about Rhode Island. So I think a lot of the, the culture comes from the, the groups that make. Um, I, I don't know. I just, this is, this is sort of like just diving right in, but I feel like there's a lot of, I can narrow it down by dive brands. Please. So like think about brands like black dog, which is like a, a it's a restaurant and tavern in uh, Martha's Vineyard. And it's, you know, they, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the brand, but it's, it's just a black dog, various types of merch. Uh, that was super New England. Like I didn't, I don't really see that elsewhere, but I, I don't know. If I don't guys... know if I've seen it. I've probably seen it and not like, uh, taken it in it's like yeah. life is yeah good, i'm definitely sort of it's like life is good i was that I, was the next one. yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. like life is good and vineyard vines had a baby or a love child let's yeah. say and uh took took the essence of both things and made it made it into one definitely um obviously like the ll beans the lands and um i don't know if you guys know so vera bradley that it's like a super oh yeah preppy they, I, that's big down south too so i feel like it's, uh, but uh, Abercrombie. Or I always Paco. assumed Vera Bradley was a Southern brand. Actually, that's a good question. I don't know. I yeah, think I, I don't either. I find, it's I everywhere. Find the information. Yeah, my girlfriend uh, has one. So definitely, like the Abercrombies, the Aeropostles, American Eagle, uh, Polo's always been there. Um, I was also big into skating, so skate brands, skate shoes. Uh, but I was also growing up in the mid two thousand, mid to late two thousand. So it was, you know, we were wearing kind of weird neo prep uh, stuff like the puka shell necklaces however you say that <laughs> sure you know the fightings like the like the baseball necklaces that players used to wear that was really big yeah and then braided rope bracelets stuff like that so kind of weird grab bag of stuff cargo shorts you know so you just you're just kind of wearing all types of stuff with dc shoes like i saw some dc shoes in the wild i have not yeah. seen a pair of dc shoes i didn't even know when the last time i saw them was but this dude was walking down the street just wearing them yeah man it's, uh, huge i can see it coming boats. back I, you see all the you know a lot of the gen z he was not a young he was in this i'm sorry he was not young he was like an older dude. He was like in his forties or fifties. Yeah, he definitely has a long walk in the DCs. Car. Yeah, or somewhere. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the skating style really got amplified when I moved to Sacramento because uh, you know California yeah. has such a big skate culture, but it's to the point where people don't. It you know, it's like skating to California is like prep to New England. Like it's just there. You don't really think huh. about it, talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like everyone in Sacramento wears van. Everybody, just the classic, you know, Ked style. That's a funny way. thing, but I think yeah. that's good. I mean, I've only like limitedly been to California, but um, you know, skating is prep in California. I think is nail on head, kind of. Yeah, it's sort of just like the underlying fabric of what people approach. So, like you know, chinos, graphic tees, mall brands, like. Crooks and Castles, Diamond Supply Co., Snapbacks. Um, this was the time yeah. where SoundCloud rap was really big uh, and everyone was wearing Roshi runs. So I'm just kind of throwing out like all these kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, the rise and fall, the rise and fall of the Roshi run. 
So I never, this was, you know, a lot before I actually got into actual style. Um, a lot of that continued when I was in Santa Cruz. You know, no, no, it's all style. Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah, hierarchy. I'll say it's before I got into menswear. This was much, much more. Yeah, sweet. sure, sure. Like, I think one of the biggest uh, goals of what we are trying to do with our stupid little podcast is like, there's building blocks for everyone. And, like, these are your building blocks. Like, whether you, you know, as you said, like, consciously knew it or not, like, this is all important because it culminates in where you are at this point in this weird, funny little journey that all of us nerds are on. Yeah, exactly. Matt, um, you're going to make me cry. I will say, sorry, Connor, I got to throw you under the bus with this one. Connor told me yesterday Great. that I've become his barometer for things to buy because uh, if it's yeah. something I hate, it's something he's going to love. And I have never felt like I failed more as a human being and friend than when I read that statement. I, I literally had no response. Human being, human being and friend. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like, yeah, it just so like, is what it is. Generational. Yeah. And like, I think it's looking back on what you wore just i think it, it tells you a lot about kind of where you lived um you can reflect on how the culture was there based on what you remember where I, I think that just now talking about it i'm realizing the difference between the two co sort of oh yeah within me that <laughs> i'm still kind of like trying to resolve so um but i kind of want to try to connect this to where i sort of touched menswear for the first time which is throughout all of these I was skating. I was I was into streetwear during college. Um, still into a lot of the skate brands. I started getting into vintage a little more, '90s type stuff. I did, in fact, wear the colored camo cargos. I don't know if you remember the episode. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I think when I really started getting into menswear was uh, when I had to do an internship in Pollock. So I, I interned for this guy named Jimmy Panetta, who's a representative in the central. And basically, I, I started doing an internship. I ended up going to some of the California demo conventions, and that all requires more formal stuff. And that's kind of how I started. So I wasn't really by choice. No, dude, me too. That's exactly what happened to me. I, so like I, I, like was, this- I was like very opposed to it. I really did not like tailoring. I like kind of thought it was whack, unless you were doing it in a certain way. Like uh, Nirvana, you know, like Kurt Cobain, mm-hmm. uh, like Sex Pistols. You know, perverted. Was it, was it politics kind of. for you as well? Was that also kind of what threw yeah, you? Yeah, I, I started interning for Steny, and I was like, man, I can't wear fucking Vans to this shit anymore. It's funny you say that because I think things have sort of. I know, and it's like, it's like. Spoiler uh, alert! We are going to get to this later in the interview, but oh man, we could riff on this shit for a fucking hour. So, um, I think and we plan to. So when you first get your you know, internship, it's like, okay, you, you, you go get a suit, right? So, um, yeah, I, I went and got this kind of, I remember it was like a Ryan Seacrest collection Macy's suit and it, Hell was, yeah. and it was super skinny, didn't even fit 42 long. Like I, I just, I don't know why I picked it, but you know, I spent like a couple hundred dollars on it and then I got home and it didn't fit. And I think that's like sort of like where I started my journey and, damn how do i avoid like i had to wear it because but 
you know, when you just make a mistake and you're like, I don't ever want to do that again. I think that's, it's of- like, yeah, it's the humiliation. My mom was like, cause I remember reading GQ, you know, I would just sit there in the office and read GQ cause they didn't have any work. Um, and there would be fits that I would try out, you know, like there's a guy wearing Sambas with his suit. This is like 2008, 2007. Um, and my mom would just be like, what are you wearing? Where are you going? And it's like, Jesus Christ, like, ah, but you had to strive. Yeah, you have to strive. And there's, and it's kind of interesting to me why, you know, I always, I always try to ask myself, why did I think a dark, like, especially a black suit? Why did I just assume I did? And I think that led me down this path of, okay, how did I miss, you know, it's like, how did I miss that? I, I feel like I was a good dresser in other senses, but somehow classic menswear is like unspoken kind of rule book that I wanted to know more about. And so I think that's where we're all on this, just trying to learn where we fit in the legacy of rules and dress, but, you know, learning the rules so that you can break it in a way that fits your footprint, let's say. So, yeah. Very good. Very good. Legacy of rules. Very good. Um, I wonder what Matt has to say about this because, uh, Probably pretty good. What it is would be my guess. Uh, yeah, it, like Connor and I, you know, were talking in the run up to this as we were brainstorming about shit, and he told me or relayed, I guess, what you said about the black suit. And I just feel like that is one of those things. Like, if you've never, um, never really had experience with tailored clothing, you're not really interested in it, and you get foisted into a situation where you have to like know some shit about it. Every motherfucker on the planet is just like that doesn't know anything. It's like, oh, a black suit makes total fucking sense, and it's like, yeah, if you're a member of they the they Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, like if you're a if you're a fucking mobster, if you're a member of the Hives or the Strokes in the you know mid aughts, like yeah, like it makes sense. But you know, for most for most people, none of us knew that like this is the dumbest fucking purchase I've ever made in my life. But it was advised. It was was advised by GQ. They said you could get a blue or a gray suit, right? But then you should have a black suit because you need one. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I'm still out on that that whole thing. But like, yeah, if you if you don't know what you're doing, and like some idiot salesperson, no offense to the salesperson, they're they're just uninformed and they're working a crappy job at Macy's. They're like, well, oh yeah, my dad fucking suits. Right. Yeah, like, well, that, and then they're also like, I know nothing about this really, but my dad told me I had to have a black suit in 1987, and so I recommend this is the first suit you buy, and you're like, okay, sure, and then you feel, you know, down the road like a moron when you actually start learning about it. But yeah, it's yeah, classic Dunning Kruger effect. It's 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 like you just yeah, you oh, know, totally, totally. The less you know about, it, the more confident you feel. Oh yeah, you know, I saw. The presidents all wear it's like the Mandela effect. Presidents are wearing black suits, right? And it's just kind of right. like in your head that like, yeah, they all wore black suits. Like I think, you know, and you look well, at And it, that's and just ignorance too, right? Because their suits are navy, but the color doesn't come through on the television, so it looks black. Yeah. And that's and, yeah. or they're charcoal, which also Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's that's one reason why uh midnight blue suits were super popular during um black and white TV, because they read they read a, a better color than black, which read green on the screen. So, you know, like it's just yeah. there's all you see that there's all these like black and white. Yeah, 
Yeah. And like, there's all these crazy nuances that like, if you're not, a, you know, maybe it's the easiest time to ever learn this shit at the, in 2023. But like it, this was, you know, this was your experience was pre blogosphere. Like Connor and I's experience was pre pre blogosphere where like people were actually talking about this shit, but you know, like yeah. what normal person is going to just pick up a GQ because, Oh yeah, this looks interesting at the grocery store. If you're not like, actually into Taylor clothing. Well, and, and, and there's something to say too, I think about, you know, some people have different uses for, um, I think this, you can extend this metaphor of, of, of being a novice in, in dressing in a, in a corporate setting or in a political setting of as kind of being, it, it reflects your actual level of expertise just um, in the professional world too, because I think oh for sure I, you, for sure you, you even go but but what's crazy is that you you'll go into I sometimes you know I still I'm a reporter so sometimes I do go into meetings or to do interviews and I often will still see a lot of people wearing just really bad combination unspeakable horror DC yeah. is an atrocity <laughs> no it can be it can be really a place where people dress well but it is also a place where people dress really and. That's either for intentional or unintentional, all with their own accom- uh, accompanying. Let's say so <laughs> all at their own peril. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm curious what questions you guys have about kind of politics and style because for me it's like I, I'm swimming in this water, so I just want to like right. You know what? Well, what, <laughs> it's kind of an it's kind of an on the ground account of like the atrocities and the triumphs that you see on it sounds like basically a daily basis. Yeah, I, so I don't work in the capital anymore, but when I did, um, so the, the the main thing is that it's not even that hard to explain Hill style, which is you know I'm going to refer right. to Capitol Hill as the. <laughs> well, I, I, love, I love it. Hashtag Hill style. That's yeah. that's fucking great. Like Hill yeah. one sixty nine or whatever. Yep, I'm officially a Kool Aid drinker. So I, but you know the Hill style is it kind of boils down, especially menswear boils down to basically a navy slim fit slim lapel polyester or or light blue suit with kind of these beige or light brown leather shoe and belt and uh yeah that's pretty much maybe a red tie white shirt i think those are kind of like the, that's sort of like the most stereotypical um outfit you see women's wear is much right. more interesting i can't really speak yeah. to that because i don't have expertise on that but but let's just stick to menswear, and it, you know that's 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 the that's the tip. Yeah, I mean, if you follow Derek hash, or, uh, at Die Workwear on Twitter, uh, a former guest of the host and friend of the show, uh, yeah. this is the shit that he roasts all day, every day on Twitter, and it's some of the most hilarious shit I've ever seen in my life. But you know, like yeah. hearing hearing it versus seeing it like from a third party, like this is this is just genuinely hilarious that like it can be boiled down in such a astute way. Well, I think that it's interesting because the same forces that led me to think a black suit was flat are the same forces that lead people to think a navy suit is also right. flat. Right. It's kind of this like go along to get along emperor has no clothes situation. You know, people <laughs> who empowered make poor decisions about style. So therefore the underlings. It's like right. I, I don't know how else to explain it besides that. But there are there are good dressers. Uh, there are certainly good dressers too. I think the emperor's yeah. no clothes point is a good one, right? Because I was going to ask, sort of rhetorically, 
how does it happen that we have people in the seats of power who seemingly like, I don't know, dress in the dark, that's like trite, whatever it is, it's bad. And they have huge staffs of people who say nothing, apparently. Well, think about it, right? There's a lot of uh, rhetoric that comes across. It's like, it's not just the quality of clothing you're wearing, because sure. there's plenty of, you know, so why Bernie you don't want to look like, goals. to boil it down, you know, long story short, I think in politics, you don't want to look like an investment banker. You also don't want to look like a slobby journal. Uh, you know, you want to look somewhere in between. And I think it's like being too corporate is bad for some politicians and being too informal is equally bad for others. Uh, situations. And what chamber? Uh, so you mentioned Ralph uh, a little while or a couple of times already. And uh, we are, you know, we are huge fans of uh, Uncle Ralph on this program. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, what what was your first exposure to uh, to Ralph Lauren, and what was your first purchase? Yeah, so I think Ralph. I can't tell you my first exposure because I think it's just a, but right, right. Well, you mentioned it was ubiquitous, so yeah, first exposure probably doesn't really matter. But like, I guess the first time you really like yeah. sought out Ralph Lauren, um, the first time that I actually bought a piece was when I. So I got a job. I started working at like 14 or 15, pretty young. I worked at a toy store. One of the first paychecks I got, I went straight to the TJ Maxx across the you know strip mall parking lot and got like a, a polo. It's like a USA polo crew neck. has like an embroidered USA, but it's all black. Yeah. I think it was yeah. cotton. And it was really nice blue label, um, kind of like a reverse weave type of thing. So I think, like I said, I think Ralph was just to me, like a staple of quality. And I don't know exactly, I can't tell you exactly where that comes from. Um, a big part of it was probably growing to camp and meeting people in New York specifically. Right. Polar. So, um, and, you know, I just had friends from like the Bronx or people from uh, New York who would who would tell me about the low life culture. Yeah. And about how people yes. go. And, you know, they, those are the ones who kind of gave me the lore of, I had a friend um, named Harold at camp who used to, just give me the lore about how that stuff started in the nineties. I mean, you guys can, you, you know, that's but that. So I think that that was one of those forces that was a, a, around 2010 to 2014. So a time where New York was on a different kind of style. Tip, I think people were wearing a lot of true religions and polo boots and rugby's, that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a weird um, in between time where I think polo had this resurgence. And so I happened to be there to soak and yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah, the the low life story. I will go on record as saying it can never be talked about enough because, yeah. it, like that that shit is one of my favorite actual like historical things about American fashion. And uh, yeah, we yeah. we touch on that quite a bit. But yeah, like it's it's fucking cool that you heard like you know second or third hand from these these kids that like you connected with a camp and they, they were from this and then you, yeah, just like this whole situation is fucking rad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think like also just, it can't be under, uh, can't be overstated the, the impact of just like availability, like polo is yeah. just in every thrift store and every secondhand shop. It is. So it's, it's quality and it's around. And um, so I think that's, yeah, it's accessible and it's it's good quality. So that's that's what really ultimately led me stick with it. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean, do you think I have never bought it at retail? Uh, most so people have like, never bought it at retail. 
Uh, yeah, it's like we, it's we, like uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of the point. Do, do you the think that great, that man. like do you think that the polo kind of like experience did that have some sort of like impact on your um on your getting into like more ivy like tailored shit later on subconsciously or not yeah my real so like i said i think when i started doing political stuff my real journey into menswear started but um i've had i think these things you know i was a history major and it's like if i had to not to get too technical but just to chart the like arc of my style uh emergence um was like it's just very uneven right there's there's these moments where you kind of leap forward uh because something impacts and i think i had a couple milestones like that like specifically working in the senate i had a co-worker who was just really into menswear and so we would kind of make it a thing where every day we would try to outdo each other almost and try to <laughs> You know, try to try to be the best dressers in the office. I, I personally think I prevailed, but that's up to to uh, interpretation. Uh, anyway, the guy was a great, in all seriousness, he was a great mentor to me, just, you know, both in the professional sense, but just telling me sort of, oh, yeah, you can't wear a tie like that. You can't wear a, um, you know, I, I don't know, just there's lots of rules, right? Like, you can't wear tan shoes with a navy suit. That was something I learned from him. Um, I think learning the importance of different natural fibers, a fuller cut sometimes being more flattering. Like those are all things that I really started to soak up. And this is just maybe two or three years ago. So I'm, I make no, you know, I don't kind of harbor any illusion that I'm a total novice when it comes to the hardcore menswear. But the minute you jump in, I feel like you just want to keep learning. And it's, it just feels like a cheat code. You feel like you're in this sort of like, um, cool kids club, you know, wherever. Right, you go. right, yeah. It like it's it is to go to a certain point of our show. Like it's its own subculture in a lot of ways, and like you know, it it, it has been for. I think I, I joined my first forum in like 2006, so mm-hmm. we're talking like 17 years of my life being like impacted or influenced or like you know whatever by this by this hobby that a bunch of uh, you know, us random people seem to inhabit. Like, I'm not as much in the tailored world anymore, but, like, it's so fucking cool to me. And, like, even though you're a novice, like you said, like, once you get into it, you just want to learn everything. Yeah. So and people are, like, for the most part, eager to help. I mean, I think, like... Oh, yeah, that that too. Like, it's, a, it's mostly it a, a very polite community. Yeah, it isn't super hostile. Like, I have been on many online things that are um and so at least this iteration of internet menswear is like very uh i don't know like friendly has been my for sure experience with it yeah i think having connected with particular groups in menswear particularly our alfargo's market has been really popular because i and and connecting of course with the you know, uh, you're just, too no, kind you're too kind <laughs> no, but, but but really, I think like just being able to talk to people who, like you said, aren't judgmental and they meet you where you're at. Like you don't have to know every, you know, weave and a pattern and you just, the technical knowledge comes. What What's important is the appreciation. Uh, yeah. And I feel like it, you know, it, with most subcultures, you can kind of pick out the bullshit. You can pick out the people that aren't going to care in six months or whatever, like, you know, not that that's a bad thing. Like, anybody that's exposed to this shit, I think, is, is better than not. But, like, you know, the people that actually, like, give a fuck 
are those people that are like, yeah, like I, I don't mind helping out. Like we're yeah. we're all just in this like funny circle together. Like yeah, the, it, it's not hard to be positive, and it's yeah. not hard to pick out the people that actually give a give a shit. It's refreshing though because I think we need more of it. I'm oh yeah, totally. I'm glad to. See. So you talked uh, in our call about preppy irony. I wanted to talk about that, or I guess the the amount of irony that infused in your preppy dressing, because um, that's like big for me as well. So yeah, so this gets to this is complex. I mean, I don't. I think the philosophy around what you wear is something that you simply every, but we may not uh, write it, vocalize it, and so it it can be. I don't want to just. I want to be specific. I think in my case. Uh, there's something ironic, I think, about you know how the this the sort of distance between how people might perceive you when you're dressed a certain way and how they would perceive you when you're dressed. And I think you know, so we talk about everyone's everyone's read the book Black Ivy, right? Um, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. what cracked open a lot of this uh, you know philosophy for me, which is that you can reclaim thing as a person um, specifically as a black man i think you can reclaim a lot of dignity i think you can reclaim a lot of uh, style uh, <laughs> and i think people treat you better when you dress a certain way and i think that's for better or worse right like i would love for everyone to be able to dress slobbily or to 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 not have to worry about their appearance you know in in in, in relation to it but i think it's also important to remember that um Ultimately, you know, you, you can affect uh, the world around you, the way the world around you treats you, um, I think, by, by dressing a way. So I, um, to me, iron, the irony of Ivy is that it's this really historic and gate-kept set of rules. And it's definitely, I mean, in many ways, it's existed in literally gate-kept spaces like exclusive private venues. But, I, you know, I... The irony is that it's the most accessible style and it's the most widely appropriated style in America. So, you know, I, to touch back on my identity a little bit, I, on, on the one hand, my mom is, uh, I, I was raised by my mom's family primarily. They're you know, kind of what you would call just wasps or Anglo or German American um, who are descended from the Mayflower and just are basically as American as it gets. But um, on the other hand, so, so, so in some ways, Ivy style or preppy style kind of makes sense when you look at uh, one side of my family. But then when you look at the other, I think my dad didn't complete elementary school. He was an immigrant. I'm a first generation American on that side. So, um, you know, it's kind of like that aspiration. I think that Ralph Lauren always is credited with having popularized. Uh, that's sort of what I like to tap into this idea that, you know, um, both this idea that I'm kind of doing something that's not, that is natural for me. That is part of my identity um, as far as being an American and being uh, someone who grew up around preppy clothes or grew up around at my grandpa wearing an L.L. Bean flannel and, and uh, you know, L.L. Bean <laughs> shearling mocks or whatever. Like that kind of stuff is just like, that was in my house. You know, bean boots were always, that was what you threw on, you know. So in a way, it's really the most natural style for me, but it's also... That's not how what people think. I'm sure right, right. Assume that I have this long history, <laughs> right? So it's like, and that's kind of a central frustration of my life too, is, is feeling like, although 
you know, I have this one side of me that's that's very much um, in Amer- as American as it gets. Like I said, uh, people, the, you know, you can't force people to perceive you a certain way. You can only influence how, um, you know, the assumptions that they make. And I think uh, preppiness to me can be an ironic way. Being subversive, using tools that are highly conformant, if that makes sense. And I, I so. Yeah. Can you say I, that again? I, can you say that again? So. With the tools that can highly the tools of conformity. So you're, you're, I think you're, you're, I think in many ways, just wearing like let's okay, let's think about the most preppy thing you can think of, right? Um, Just like a menswear like uniform, like wearing some flannel gray trousers, navy blazer with gold buttons, red rep striped ties, uh, you know, striped white and blue. Uh, vertical striped Oxford cloth buttoned uh, penny loafers or t- white sock. Like just wearing that, I think as a person of color can be kind of, that's something you don't picture necessarily historically as being um, donned by people of color. And so I think just wearing, um, you know, basically like this old British um, influence style can can in one way be subversive, but it's also you're, you're kind of, I think wearing Ivy style is a way for, everyone in America to kind of acknowledge that, number one, we all belong here, regardless of our bad, regardless of where our parents are from, if we've been here for nine generations or we've been here for only one. Uh, but I think it's also this acknowledgement that everyone should be able to access um, a, a look or a outward appearance that uh, exudes dignity. And I think having that combination of accessible and dignified is sort of like the concoction for me that um, both characterizes Black Ivy, but also yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an that's, act of resistance that's, in a way. It is, it is, but but it's also like it's also one of those things that like you, for example, is baked into your DNA as an American, and it, for many many people it is. But it's you know like everything. But let me give you an example. I'm sorry. Yeah, go for it. No, 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 no. you're so well, uh, just to give you an example, I think um, I have a lot of friends. So I have one of my best friends is is Chilean or Chilean from uh, Chile. And he uh, is white. Like he's pretty similar complexion to Connor. Actually, he has red hair. (laughs) Um, uh, And he, you know, so so uh, but he is um, outwardly presents as white, whether or not Right. I mean, he's actually part Brazilian, so there's a whole uh, conversation to be had there. But me and him, I'll have a lot of conversations about, you know, particular pieces. Like I'll pull out a, a kind of just classic polo shirt. Right. And let's say it's a solid navy blue polo shirt with a red horse. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that me and him will kind of just differ. Uh, I, I'll, I like pieces like that. I like classic kind of like super almost vanilla uh, polo pieces that are just like really stable. Because I think to me, <laughs> just wearing something really plain like that, still it still compliments me because in some ways I I, I go against that and, and not being like a traditional, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't present as somebody who maybe uh, would be a, a attending an Ivy League university in uh, the 1950s, right? Okay, so, right. <laughs> uh, but right. um but on the other hand, it's like uh, you know he he'll he'll often say, well, I can't, I couldn't wear that. I would look like a frat boy. And it's like I think that to me, right, is like what 
the function of Black Ivy is in, in, in conjunction with Preppy Style is that Preppy Style or Ivy, I'm using them interchange. I think are everybody has to kind of fit them into their own identity. And so while I might, you know, be very, uh, conf- let's say even conformist and just wearing kind of like rep stripe ties and wearing nice, uh, you know, bl- navy blue blazers. That's by far the, the thing I have the most of. Um, you know, someone else who who feels like they already kind of exude this, like essentially uh, that they're in that they're in some sort of in group in America. Someone who's white, someone who you know uh, doesn't get profiled necessarily based solely on their race. I think those kinds of people are less uh, prone to wearing something that sort of has is associated with this long tradition because they feel like they want to balance out their in group status with with, with uh, pushing back on that. So maybe trying to add some flair and adding some camo, for example. I don't really wear camo. I think part of the reason I don't wear camo right. is that camo to me is like something that I really heavily associate with hip hop. And, uh, and, and I, yeah, there was a time where I unironically wore a camo, but it just doesn't hit the same. You know what I mean? If my, if my white yeah, guy yeah. wears camo, looks sick on him. To me, it's not like you can't pull it off. Anybody can pull these things off, but it just, you know, that's just how I choose to, I, I choose to really, contrast my perceptions about the clothes I wear with the perceptions probably that, um, that I get, get the perceptions of, of myself. Yeah. Right. Right. Which neither Connor nor myself like really have these problems. And that's, that is in and of itself a problem, but it's a, it's a, it's a challenge, you know, I think the, yeah, you guys for have sure. your own challenges because you can't walk into a, like, I feel like I can truly, just wear the most vanilla stuff and it, it looks subversive because it's contrasting my identity. Whereas I think a lot of people have to search a little bit more for, you know, uh, yeah. things, that, you know, I, you can't just walk in and like, I, I'm also a size that's like very common in old men. Like I'm like a 42 long, 36 waist. Like that's just very common. So yeah, anyway, yeah, for sure. Good, for sure. Yeah. Do we want to talk about at what people are wearing in Oh yeah, that would be great. I, I would like to. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. cool idea. It is a cool idea. Yeah. So I guess we'll let you uh, describe it because uh, you would say better than us. But it's a street style Instagram, uh, sort of among other things. Yeah. So my kind of street style page came about because I just had started taking a lot of street style photos on my camera. I had done some travel. Yeah, we had the same camera for a short while. (laughs) That's right, we did. Um, And I've taken photos both on sort of like a point and shoe and also my, just my, Um, so I'm not a photographer, but I feel like I enjoy capturing outfits. And so I thought I got to just put these somewhere or else I'm going to lose them. And my camera started posting them. And I think it's been a good way to just keep tabs on style I see around me, um, but also a way to directly connect with like the style community on Instagram. Quite. Yeah. It's, and uh, it's at what people are wearing. It, so. Did I say it wrong? Uh, or just doubling up. Just, just, just doubling up. Just in case. Yeah. Just doubling up. Just doubling up. Yeah. Uh, nothing uh, wrong with that. Yeah. This is all edited too, right? I assume like you guys don't. Do- nah. Uh, no. Depends. <laughs> it depends. If we'll you need help, this. If you need help I can, I can, but yeah. yeah. Um, so we can discuss that certainly. But yeah, um, the, the, being on Instagram really just connects you to a whole world of style, and it's amazing how small it is. So I've been really 
I felt really grateful that kind of it, some people that I really admire, like Shane, it's, it's been great getting to know people who really know. Yeah. It like, for me, I, I was in New York when like kind of the, the heyday of hashtag men's where it happened, like 20, I moved there in 2011 and I left in like 2014. So, you know, that's, that's when like Tumblr was a huge thing and like Instagram was just kind of like ramping up. But this, like, second generation of, like, online community has, I don't know, it's, it's like, a beautiful thing to see. And I'm a cynical motherfucker, but, like, that's, that's so true to me. Yeah, it's definitely, like, the post-pandemic wave. and Yeah, um, yeah. Like, it, it was a way that a lot of us, like, kept in touch with human beings in our day-to-day life for so long, uh, you know, while the pandemic's been happening. And now, like, I don't know, like there were friendships and bonds formed like our fucking show started because of this um mm. you know this kind of thing and like i don't know it, it's that is where i think in the earlier segment where connor was getting like at with you being a younger on the younger side of things like it's good to get that perspective yeah um i'm definitely coming at it from a, from a younger person's perspective and as somebody who most people my age don't dress um, classically, let's say. So right, right. Um, it, so that's a, that's also kind of that that touches on what we said before about I think in some ways just dressing up is and, totally, totally. You know, I always, I often uh, have kind of debates with people about uh, you know whether or not businessmen or or people in tech CEOs, you know, whether it's kind of like you know, I guess the the central question is if wearing a suit uh, is a power move or if it, if it kind of makes you look wee. And I think right. it, it depends on the suit. You know, I think it really depends if you, you know, like, uh, for example, investment bankers, they don't wear, you know, sneakers and, and vests. They wear nice Italian suits and they, and they still wear their ties. And uh, so anyway, I, I think th- th- there's a lot to be said about how, you know, younger people are starting to pick up some of the more formal wear. Yeah. At the same time, I, that is, you know, and, and that's moving on its own kind of track as opposed to like classic, you know, business wear. I think that's sort of static. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, we were, you know, going to talk about horrible silent politics and sneaker bottom dress shoes, number one. Uh, the like fleece Patagonia ish vest is probably my number one. Uh, over the shoes but like what why on earth do people uh, that are like the faces of the nation dress so fucking bad do you think well i have a couple reasons i think part of it is that they there's a there's a balance like i said before about this you want to you know not intimidate people with the clothes you wear and you don't want to look corrupt frankly so you know right right um, while, <laughs> while i love great way to put food, it you know, while I love that Chuck Schumer always wears Hermes ties, I, I, it doesn't necessarily bode so well for him being kind of a mad people, right? So there's there's a lot of. Um, although I like Chuck Schumer, full disclosure, um, I, I, I I think he's a good dresser too. But um, but yeah, I, people dress badly because uh, they don't care, and um, nobody is really holding. None of their colleagues are holding that to the standard because we've kind of just like as a society, I think. Right. So there's a lot of, you know, wearing suits with like, you know, uh, new balances or something, which and I'm not talking about 990, the dad shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as like six inch break on the non cuffed trouser. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The six inch worsted 
rumple at the bottom of most yeah sizes. yeah <laughs> legs but yeah i mean so there's i think it's kind of like this like it and this is this goes back to that debate i was just touching on which is that i think a lot of people would actually argue trying too hard to look good is kind of a sign of being middleman right and right these days if you if you can afford to basically wear to look like a slob or to or not necessarily a slob but look like somebody who basically doesn't care um how others judge them for what they you know that that can signal to many like kind of a power move like in a lot of tech moguls will wear jeans and they'll wear you know all birds or something and like a, 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 a fleece vest right and so a lot of politicians right they're, they're not trying to they they, they really don't want to detract from any potential perception of their competency, you know, that could be somehow siphoned by trying to look Andy or uh, being a show horse. Many of them want to be known for being workhorse, right? Even if they're right. secretly not. So it's kind of like this, it's kind of like this um, reverse psychology of trying to exude not studied carelessness, but just carelessness. I'm, I'm too rich and powerful. I think that's a big part. On the other hand, it's uh, they're old, you know? A lot of them don't really care about style and they're just trying to be comfortable. So yeah, it's uh, there used to be a time where a lot of politicians, you know, were kind of like tastemakers and style. I think it's kind of... It, it's right, sort of, right. It's not the case anymore. But there are still... Honestly, yeah. yeah, there's a few. There's a few. Uh, honestly, well, like, don't you think it correlates with general approval of politician interesting you know um, i mean like think about it uh if you go back through the presidents so far i mean it seems sort of tied to um approval of politicians is just sort of tanking and so yeah that, it, yeah I mean, fuck right like why do they even care why why does it matter what they wear when no one is paying attention that's a really interesting point i've never heard someone make that but i think there's some um you know, Donald Trump is the least popular. I think Donald Trump is a sort of an exception to that, where he's definitely not the worst dressed politician, but he no, has one of the worst well. approval ratings of all time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's worse, de- it's worse, like, depending on who you ask, I guess. Like, do you, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. To be the richest, to be a rich person, and to be the most powerful person, and to look like that. Is just very sad. Yeah, but 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 to get to his credit, and frankly, and in full disclosure, I defer this thing from a Trump supporter. But I I do. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't. Mean, I don't think you have to make that disclosure on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's about the the you know he, he has good suits. He has he has nice suits. Um, yeah, wears yeah. Decently nice ties. Wears real shoes. So that's right, how low the bar right. is. But it's like, that's the bar, right? Like the, Sub, the insanely rich person. Yeah, the insanely rich person who is also the president wears decent shoes. Yeah, that's where we're at. Um, that's where we're but, at. But, but, you know, there's there's like, uh, there's some other notable, honorable mentions. I think Trump is not in my top five, to be clear. I think if I had to okay. do a top five, I would say number one, Robert Mueller. He always wears these really nice Oxford button-down collar shirts with kind of, you know, when yeah, you have a button, yeah. an Oxford cloth button-down that's just sort of like the collar is just sort of its own thing. It's like flowing down your neck. Like that's, it just looks great. Um, They're all, yeah, dude, dude, dude is it, dude is killer. Like I'm not a I'm not a stan of any fucking person related to the government, but like every time I've seen a picture of Robert Mueller, I'm like. That's a well-fitting jacket. Like that's a good collar roll. That's a nice tie knot. 
like Duke, um, Duke kills it. Yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, and, and yeah, this this is absolutely independent of politics. But yeah, totally. totally. I, would, I would also throw Chuck Schumer, like I said, back in that list. He he wears nice okay. shoes. Wears always Hermes ties. Pretty nice. Right. Um, Senator John Kennedy, who politically I abhor, but he uh, oh, he's from Louisiana, right? He's from Louisiana. Um, yeah, I think he's a nice yeah. guy. Introduced himself to my sister. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. He's, yes. He's got yes. that classic. Like he has the classic like Southern eye being looked down, and mm-hmm. I know he's like a thousand fucking years old, but like dude, still, yeah. Sadly, I have to admit that that guy has style. Yeah. I would also. Do you know Rosa Deloro? She's like a House member. Uh, not off the top of my head. If you ever get a chance, um, just. Give it a Google search. You'll see what I mean. Oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just didn't know the name. She just gives like a, a Italian auntie vibes. Damn. Well, she has purple <laughs> hair in this picture. She has blue hair in this picture. She has purple hair in this picture. Like you could see yeah, her in like Milan fashion. Um, she's right. for Connecticut. You know, I'm throwing Bill Cassidy in there. He started the seersucker days in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. He went right. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Throw him in there. He's, I think, he's from Louisiana too. So, so Louisiana's doing well. Um, yeah, John yeah. Fetterman gotta shout John Fetterman out for the Carhartt hoodies. All right, uh, all right, I, dude, I, I'm into it. I that dude seems cool. And honestly, uh, his... this is what I mean it's about subversion, you know, it's not always about, yeah, like, I, I love his fucking gym shorts and hoodie in five degree weather because that's a northeastern and a mid Atlantic thing. That is. That is like commitment to the shit. That's right, and he's a Democrat who looks like a blue collar worker. I mean, how more subversive yeah. could you get? Yeah, for uh, sure. Also, he's like nine feet tall, so it, you know, kind of looks like a pro wrestler in some ways. Like I'm into that. <laughs> and there are no tall Democrats. None. No. No. Notoriously None. short party. Yeah. Um, worst list. I'm just gonna run through it really quick. No explanation. Yes, Kirsten please. Cinema. Kirsten Cinema, Jim Jordan, Ron DeSantis, Jordan Peterson. I know he's not a politician. Ah, uh, he looks like goddamn. Yeah, he looks like the fucking Joker in like a shitty like wannabe Batman movie. <laughs> have you seen his Twitter suit? Uh, I have, I have, and it. Yeah, I, I wanted to burn out my eyeballs when I saw that photo. I'm yeah. looking it up. Yeah, so, yeah, Jordan. Like, dude, just looks oh, like a it's fucking. A, it's the first. It's the first search result. Jordan Peterson Twitter suit. Hmm. Yeah. Ugh. He also has this like double-breasted, like sp- color-blocked, where you know each side of the jacket is a different color. It's. I mean, just just give a quick Google search. Oh yeah, yeah I see it. The heaven and hell suit. Yeah, his his <laughs> suits. Like, I don't know if this is ubiquitous or or so. Bear with me, but like, uh, there's like a a like a costume suit company that exists that makes like all these fucking garish suits that basically look like uh jim carrey and the riddler uh but they sell them at like macy's and shit and every single time i see a picture of that dude i just imagine that he went and paid like 99 dollars or whatever these terrible suit uh retail for and i'm like dude you spent like 15 times the amount of of money on that to look just as fucking like yeah uh, yeah, he's yeah, he's he's a wild one, man. Wild one. He got owned by Slavo Zizek, who only wears T-shirts. So good. Talk about appearances. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I can't believe well, Slavo Žižek hasn't come up on this show before. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a first time for everything. Who's that? Yeah, Slavo Žižek is a Marxist philosopher. Who? Oh yeah, uh, I know him. He's a Eastern European, what country? Slovenian extraction, I believe. Yeah, he just is great. He just is very funny and also correct, but mostly funny. Man, this was. This was quite a fun and romping conversation. Um, romping. We always give romping. Yeah, I don't know where the fuck I pulled that from, but uh, we always give our guests a, a chance to shout out uh, whatever they want to. So here's yours. Uh, shout out my mom. Hell yeah. Um, shout out Robert Mueller. Mm-hmm. Nice, and nice. You know what? Shout out Ralph Lauren because I think. You know, wherever that man is, um, he's cooking. Uh, yeah, I hope he's living his best life. And uh, at what are you wearing in um, is the street style Instagram. So we gotta we'll, we'll tag that when we post. Um, it's so the the, but, the street style page. So I'll, I'll just say this so you can click the street style page. Uh, the street style page username is what people are wearing. So at oh, what I'm sorry. Yes, wearing. what. I have fucked that up so many times trying to search because I never remember people. And I told myself I wasn't going to do that, and I did that anyway. Let me say it one more time. So, the, so yeah, my username on Instagram is at what people are wearing it. Yes. Which I saw you using an abbreviation, which I think is a good idea. Um, but I do think the, the page is awesome. Yeah. it's yeah. it's um, it's. I'm not sure, actually, if I could find the abbreviated – um the abbreviation handle i would that actually but i think if you could about, get it yeah i mean maybe there's something about just like saying what people are wearing and it's so clear you know and like i, I find that telling people it is actually that's kind yeah of well and it's cool and you t- when it's like what people are wearing in rhode island what people you know what i mean it's <laughs> like you're filling in the blank yeah where wherever you go it's a it's a great page give it a follow um everyone thank you for listening uh to another episode of apocalypse studs I'm Matt Smith at Rebels Rogues. And I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler. Uh, If you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, apocalypsestuds at gmail.com or uh, at apocalypsestuds on Instagram. And once again, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.